and let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this afternoon. Lord, I pray that you bless the preaching and bless your man, bless your speaker, Lord. I pray that we would walk away thinking about you, Lord, and just give us safety as we travel home. Bless the rest of the day, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I told you you'd have to bear with me. But uh, turn, to him, <laughs> turn to hymn number 382. 382. Deep and wide. Amen. Deep and wide. How is God's love? Deep and wide. Deep and wide. This morning, and this morning, I taught the, all of the adult Sunday school classes and uh, together in one room. And then I came and led the singing and preached, and I ran out of air. <laughs> Amen. And so we got some help this afternoon, and we're awful glad that Brother Kevin is uh, offering to help us. Let me give you a, a few announcements uh, here um, uh, uh, for this week. Don't forget about soul winning. We're going around uh, knocking on folks' doors, inviting them to church, giving them literature of our church on, on uh, uh, Saturday after, or Saturday morning, 9.30 in the morning. Then we have a ladies' retreat coming up. A ladies' retreat is coming up September 8th and 9th. And I'd like to uh, encourage you ladies, if you're going to go to that, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer and on the bulletin board if you'd sign up so we know exactly how many rooms we need. So we have all of that taken care of, and we're able to pair up teams and so on like that. And I know a number of ladies have signed up already, and that's Amen. an exciting thing. So if you haven't signed up, please do that soon. We had an, an outing set up for our college and career class with our Life Builders class. We had that set up for the 12th, but we needed to have 12 people uh, signed up in order to get the discounted price that we have. It's for Andretti's um, Indoor Go-Kart and Games location and uh, it costs about $35 per person but we got a special thing set up where it's only going to cost you $10 amen, amen. only going to cost you $10 so it's a real opportunity listen if you're a little older than that you want to go you know if you're as old as brother Ed we know that the uh, elderly aren't <laughs> we'd have to get his walker up there and everything I don't know uh, anyway <laughs> um, if you want to sign up it doesn't matter who it is we need to have 12 people amen and I know it's going to be a good time. And so if you're a little older than that, you want to go, that's fine. If I was just a little younger, I would go. I understand you're going to go. Amen. Have a good time. I, uh, you live closer than I do. And so um, uh, it's, uh, it's a, going to be a fun time, and it's really a, a good time. I love go-kart racing, and that's what that pretty much is. And then don't forget Ladies Bible Study on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock in the morning. We'll be having a Ladies Bible Study. Uh, here in, in, in Miss Sherry's Sunday school classroom at the end of the hall, and the very last uh, 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 Sunday school class on the, on the left. And so uh, that'll be uh, coming up on this Wednesday. Now, we've got more things in the bulletin that I'm going to announce. Amen? Amen. And so the bulletins are out on the, on the table in the foyer. And I, I want to encourage you to uh, get, pick one up and look at it so you know exactly what's coming up and what's going on. Okay? Uh, so those are the things that are going on this week in our church, and I hope that you're a part of, of all of them. Don't forget about Wednesday night Bible study and prayer time at uh, 7 o'clock in the evening. Preacher will be home for that, and so it'll be nice to have him back. I want to thank everybody who contributed to his birthday party, whether it's been financially or with cake or with ice cream or just showed up. Amen? Amen. We did have his party for him on Wednesday night, and I want to thank everybody that was a part of that. Appreciate everybody who gave and signed cards and so on of that nature and was able to be a blessing to our pastor for his birthday. Um, I believe that's all the announcements I have. 
So uh, we're going to go ahead and take our offering. Now, we don't take our offering. We bring our offering to the offering plates up here. We've been doing that since COVID, and it seems like folks like that. So we're going to continue to do that. And so we're going to have a word of prayer. And if you have an offering tonight, uh, go ahead and bring your offering. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the work that you did in our service this morning in the hearts and the lives of your people. But, Father, that's history now. And we're living in the, in the, in the moment. And in this moment, we need to have your power in our service. I ask that you fill Brother DeVito with the power of your Holy Spirit, that as he speaks tonight, that you'd speak to our hearts and draw us closer to you. We thank you for the simple truths that you've given us from your word that we can apply to our everyday life. So I ask that you bless him as he speaks. But I also ask you to bless this offering. I thank you for it. I thank you that we can give to you and that you bless us for giving. So bless the offering. May it go far to meet the needs of our church. And thank you for the way you care about us and you love us. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have an offering, bring it right now.
make sure you make our guests feel welcome today. Amen. It's good to see Brother Ron back. Good to see you, Brother Ron. Glad you're here. like to sing and then get up here to preach so amen amen there's so much going through your head at the time and so many thoughts but amen amen well if you would take your bibles and turn to hebrews hebrews chapter number five hebrews chapter number five once you found your place if you're able to if you would stand for the honor of reading of god's word hebrews chapter number five We'll read there in verse number 1, Hebrews chapter number 5. Verse number 1, the Bible says this, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in the things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. Verse number four. And no man taketh his honor unto himself, but he that is called of God as was Aaron. 
so also Christ glorifieth uh, not himself to be made an high priest. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he said also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from, from death, and was heard in that he feared. Uh, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Verse number 10, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Look at verse number 11, of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing ye are dull of hearing. For when the time, or for for when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Let's pray. Dearly Father, I want to thank you once, once again for this day, Lord. And I'm thankful, God, for the great services we've had thus far. And I pray, Lord, that you would make yourself evident in this place this afternoon. And I pray, God, that you would use the words of my mouth, Lord, to speak to your people in only a way that you can. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you for all you've done. And I ask you once again to meet with us in a special, mighty way. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> if you ever want to see an adult act or respond immaturely, Here's what you got to do. Get, get out a pen and paper. I'm about to tell you what you have to do to see an adult act immaturely. All right. You got to get in your car and you got to drive down the street. You got to get in your car and you got to enter or uh, go onto the freeway. And you just got to drive for a couple minutes. And I guarantee you this, you're going to see somebody uh, respond uh, wrongly. You're going to see somebody respond in an immature way. You see, uh, and, and I could go through many stories uh, of my own experience that I've seen people uh, cut other people off, even cut myself off. I mean, I'm sure you've seen videos, and, and, and I know uh, since we're in church on a Sunday afternoon, I know none of y'all have ever done any of that, so I'm not accusing you of that. But no doubt, uh, people act immaturely on the roads. You see, most people, most, uh, recognize I said most people, When they drive, do not drive immaturely because they do not know the laws of the road. Or they have not, or they don't drive immaturely because they have never been taught how to drive. All right? Most people knowingly and choose to act and respond immaturely. You see, uh, some people, and I'm not saying us, all right, I'm I'm taking, taking we out of there, but some people see the speed limit sign. And yet they drive that one mile over the speed limit, all right, or, or more. Some people wait until the very last minute on a six-lane highway to cut all the way over and get off on their exit, or even on a street to cut all the way over, slam on their brakes to turn into, into the uh, McDonald's drive through all right? Some people do that, and the laws of the road have been taught to them. They, they had to take a quiz, I, I hope. They had to take a test. They had to go with that police officer or that driving instructor and take that test to learn how to drive. You see, uh, we've all seen the signs and many of us have even experienced the outcome of wrong decisions. Yet, yet even on our way home this afternoon, we will refuse to do what's right. We will refuse to obey what we have seen and what we have heard. You see, here in Hebrews chapter number five, we learned of a people who failed to recognize Jesus Christ as their high priest, as the son of God. You see, 
in chapter 5, we're reminded that the high priest, there in verse number 1, that the high priest was taken from among men and set apart to minister on their behalf in the things having to do with God. He was to present his brethren's gifts and sacrifices for sins. He was, he was, if you will, that mediator between God and man. You see, we learn in verse number two of uh, Hebrews chapter number five that this priest, as a man, could have compassion because he was a man, could have compassion on other men because he had faced some of the, some of the same things that his brethren had faced, because he had gone through some of the same troubles that his brethren had gone through, because he had, he had faced sin like his brethren had. He lives in this old sinful flesh. And because of that, he could have compassion on them and help them. Conscious, uh, conscience of his own failures, it was necessary that he offer a propitiatory sacrifice for himself as well as for other people. In that, he could offer a sacrifice uh, not only for himself, but for others too. You see, in, in this, we see the superiority of our great high priest who needed no offering himself, but gave himself in love for others. You see, all throughout the Bible, but especially here in this passage of Scripture, we can, see, we can see our Lord Jesus Christ represented here. We can see Jesus and how he would equate to this high priest. In verse number four, we learn that no man could make himself high priest, but rather it was a divine calling. You see, you couldn't just say, uh, I, uh, excuse me, I, I would like to be the be a high priest. You couldn't just go on Google and search for an application and apply to be a high priest. Now today you may be able, be able to go on Google and uh, search for a, a pastorate position and apply there, all right? Now we wouldn't necessarily agree with that, but, but back in that day, hey, you couldn't just make yourself high priest. It had to be a divine calling. It had, in other words, it had to be God who set you in that place. You see, verse number four also tells us that Aaron was chosen of God, and he was set apart for this high office, all right? And verse number five, we see, uh, even so, Christ did not even make himself high priest. Look at verse number five, if you would. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he that said unto him, thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. In other words, not even Jesus Christ himself put himself in that position. He didn't even want to take the glory, but rather God divinely put him in that position. God put him as priest there. You see, the author of Hebrews would now interject something that the Jews had long forgotten. They had forgotten all about this. And it was this, that there was a priesthood long before Aaron. There was a priesthood long before the Levitical priesthood. There was a priest, uh, a priesthood of Melchizedek. Look there, verse number six, if you would. And it says, as he saith uh, also in another place, thou art a priest. Uh, forever after the order of Melchizedek. Who was Melchizedek? Well, if we, if we had more time, we could go to Genesis 14 and learn about Melchizedek as he appeared there to Abraham and has, as he would be set up there as the first uh, high priest. But again, Melchizedek was ordained of God. Melchizedek was chosen a priest way before Aaron. His priesthood, however, was not of, of the Levitical order, but it was of a different character altogether. You see, Psalms uh, 110.4 is what the author here in Hebrews is quoting. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Christ was exalted as the priest, even as Melchizedek was. You see, the author here in verses 7 through 10 would seek to explain how Jesus was a, a legit high priest, legitimate high priest. You see, Jesus experiences what he experienced. That's what qualified him to be the priest here. You see, as a, as a man, he, he uh, went through some of the same experiences that we do today. You see, as, as a man, Jesus Christ uh, experienced some adversity. He went through some hard time. He experienced in like manner as we do. And he had learned from his sufferings. 
You see, this would qualify Jesus as high priest. Verse number nine would tell us that Jesus was made perfect. All that Jesus suffered perfectly suited him to be the savior of men. Verse number 10, that Christ is exalted priest in, in such manner as Melchizedek was. You see, but even with all this proof, even, and, and I know I, I went through it pretty quick, but even with those first 10 verses that we just went through, the, the listeners here, the Jews, the Hebrews, if you will, here in this passage of scripture, despite all of this, they still refuse to accept Jesus as the son of God. They still refuse uh, uh, with all this proof, even with the accreditation, they still discredited that he truly was the son of God. Even though the author would use Old Testament to explain the New Testament, to explain who Jesus was and what he's done for us on the cross and, and how he died for us. Yet with all that, they still refuse to believe. You see, these Hebrew believers would not, would not set aside their legalistic teachings. And rather than, uh, than being able to teach others, they themselves were needed to be teach. They themselves were in need of instruction in the most elementary uh, truths. You see, the author of Hebrews called these people immature and babes in Christ because the people were spiritually immature, not physically. They were, they were well in age, but spiritually they were immature. They were babes in truth when they should have been, uh, should have been mature Christians, still requiring milk and unable to, to digest strong meat. You see, and if we, if we had more time, we could go through and read all of chapter six and, and even into chapter seven. And, and you would find that the author would, would uh, come to a conclusion that it was time it was time to insist uh, that they set aside Judaism, that they set aside these legalistic views, that they set aside these things of their past, that they set aside these things that are holding them back from growing, and that they press forward and that they go on to the full truth of the Christian life. Now, now let me make myself clear right now. I, I'm not saying that we must, we must set aside uh, the elementary truths that you may learn in junior church. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that we're not allowed to sing Jesus loves me anymore. I'm not, allowed to, I'm not saying that we're not allowed to, to go on and, and, and continue to do the uh, sing deep and wide like we did. Those, those if you will, elementary uh, truths, those, those basic uh, Christianity. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying here is that we must leave the typical for the actual. The, the shadows for the substance. Again, a shadow, a shadow, it may scare you, all right? You may think somebody's following you and it's just your shadow. But, but in reality, there's nothing there. In reality, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's just a form. It's void. Right. And yet we must set aside the shadows for, for something with substance, for something tangible, for something that we can hold in our hands. You see... Uh, you see, if we're not careful, we can become just like these he the Hebrews in this passage. And we can fall sick to spiritual immaturity. We can fall sick to spiritual immaturity. Look at, look at verse number 11, if you would. The Bible says this, Of whom we have many things to say and, are, uh, and, are, and hard to be uttered, seeing that ye are dull of hearing. Dull of hearing. What does that mean? That, that means this, slothful, sluggish, slow, slow to respond is what that means. You see, and, and I'm not talking, uh, I'm not trying to uh, bash the police department when I say this, but when you call 911, do you want a slow response or a fast response? Do you want somebody to say, oh, uh, hello, sir. Yeah, yeah, uh, let, me, let me run to McDonald's real quick, and then when I get back, I'll, I'll return your call. No, 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 I, I didn't just dial 911 for no reason. I'm, I'm calling because there's an emergency in my life, because there's, there's a dire need in my life, and I need a quick response. 
You see, many Christians, when there's a dire need in their life, the last person they call on their spiritual cell phone, if you will, the last person they call is God. That's the last number they dial. Not until everything has come to an end. Not until they've come to the the end of themselves do they then fall on their knees and cry out to God and and say, God, I need your help. But when the the incident first occurred, when, when the accident first occurred... Uh, uh, they're, I'm okay. Yeah, I got, I got health insurance. I got doctors to help me. I got the police department. I got the fire department. I'm, a, I'm okay right now. Yeah. But when they, come, uh, when they come to an end and there's no more help in sight, then that's when they ask God for help. Then that's when they, then they fall on their knees and, and pray. You see, we as Christians oftentimes have, been, have become slow to respond. When the preacher preaches and the Lord speaks to your heart, but you don't come to the altar at invitation. You, you determine in your heart to wait for a better time. Uh, uh, pastor's, pastor's almost almost done with preaching and we got cake and ice cream over there. So uh, I'm not going to go up and, and hold up the service. Uh, I'll wait until next, till next week. I'll wait until Wednesday night. I'll wait until next Sunday to get that right. And we, and we begin to put things off and we begin to become, even as these Jews, and, and slow to respond if we respond at all. You see, the Jews heard the gospel preach, but they allowed doubt to set in. They allowed false assurance in their traditions to keep them from, res- from responding to what God had uh, said to them through his word. You see, that's why the author would call them dull of hearing. You see, in verse number 12, these Hebrews, they were neglecting their duty. Look back at verse number 12, if you would. For when, for the time, ye ought to be teachers. For when, for the time, ye ought to be teachers. They, they, it's simple. They should have been teachers by now. They should have been teaching what they had learned themselves. For when, for the time. By now. By now. You've been in church long enough. You've been in church a, a year, two years, maybe even 30 or, or 40 or 50 years. You've been in church that long. By now, you ought to be teaching others some things. By now, you, you ought to be a, a firm soul winner. By now, uh, you ought to be a Sunday school teacher. By now, you, you ought to be telling the person next to you about the truths that you found in God's word this week. By now. By now, you ought to be a better Christian. But many Christians who have been in church many, many years have never taught others how to be Christians. And I would venture to say that many Christians, even in this church, have never led another person to the Lord, have never, have never opened up their Bible and, and shown them from Scripture how they go to heaven when they die. You see, unfortunately, these Hebrew believers in this passage of Scripture, they were neglecting their duty. They had been, been in church long enough to where they, could, they, could, they should have been able to tell somebody how they go to heaven when they die. They should have been teachers of the word by now, but yet they had neglected their duty. They had also neglected their development. They, they were still babes in Christ. Believer, you have a choice. You have a choice. You can remove, if you will, the spiritual bottle from your mouth. You have a choice. We, we have a newborn son, my wife and I, and, and he is completely helpless without myself or my wife. He, he can't hold the bottle by himself. Now, I can't wait until he can because then I can give him the bottle and then I'll, I'll take off and go do what I need to do, all right? But as of right now, and even though I put, I put a couple pillows up underneath his, up underneath his chin and, and try to hold that bottle in place, I mean, I leave for for five seconds and that ball's already fell or he's already knocked it out of his mouth, all right? But, but at the same time, he's completely helpless without us. In other words, he's, he needs this bottle. He can't live without it. This is where his nutrients comes, the, the, the milk, if you will. He absolutely needs it and he's unable to, to grow without it. But oftentimes as believers... We continue to use this bottle forever. We continue to drink out of this bottle 
It's actually really hard. We continue to, to drink out of the bottle forever. Yeah. <laughs> we, we never move on from the bottle. We never remove the bottle from our mouth. Now, at this point, you're an adult. Now, at this point, you can, you can lay down and drink your bottle. You can roll over and still have your bottle in your mouth. All right? At this point, you can literally take the bottle out of your mouth. You can make your own bottle. But yet, many Christians... This is, this is our nutrients. This is all we rely on. And we've never, never sunk our teeth into a, a good piece of meat. We've, we've never uh, 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 consumed bacon, amen? All right? We've, we've never moved on from the bottle. You see, as God's people, we can be spiritually immature when we neglect our spiritual duties and our spiritual development. You see, you may say, Brother DeVito, uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily understand all that you're saying yet. Brother DeVito, how, how can I become a mature Christian? Brother DeVito, I, I, I know I'm, I may be, may be well in age, but how can I become a mature Christian? It's simple. It's simple. First, we must abandon our spiritual immaturity. You see, the Hebrews here in this passage were holding on to the Old Testament law and they created rituals and and traditions that if disobeyed by anyone, that automatically subject that person to death. But many of these laws and, and these traditions and the different things that they followed actually went contrary to God's word. Now, if you went over there and you asked them, Hey, this, this goes contrary to what God said. Oh, oh, no, no, no. This is actually from the Old Testament. And, and they would begin, begin to, try to try to prove to you that where I got this law is actually from the Old Testament. And they would try to prove to you, in other words, that this is actually God's word. And so actually you're in the wrong for going contrary to it. You're in the wrong for not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're in the, rule for, you're in the wrong for breaking the rules. But in reality... They were immature Christians. You see, the author called for such Jews to abandon these traditions and accept what Christ had done for them on the cross. You see, many Christians in churches today allow sin to hold them back and distract them and to draw their attention away from their spiritual growth. Oftentimes as Christians, we feel, uh, we feel invincible we feel that nothing can affect us. We feel that we can, we can do whatever we want. We can say whatever we want. Why? Because I'm on my way to heaven. So no matter what I do, no matter what I say, I can just come to this altar, get right, and repeat it. I, I, can, I can come to church on a Sunday or on a Wednesday and, and, and be a faithful churchgoer. But on the, during the week, I can go out into the world and live how I want. I can drink whatever beverage I want. I can smoke whatever, whatever I want to smoke. But in reality, you're hindering your own spiritual growth. You see, and, and I'll be real with you for a, for a moment. I struggle to read my Bible first thing in the morning. Truly, truly. And I, I think if I ask for a raise of hands, many of y'all probably struggle too. But I struggle to read first thing in the morning. Now, number one, first thing when the alarm goes off, I want to roll over. I, I try to find five extra minutes of sleep, okay, especially when, and I, when I'm talking about my alarm, I'm talking about the baby's crying, all right, but when that, when that alarm goes off, all right, I try to get my wife up, I try to find, I throw a pacifier at them, I, I try to find anything, I got, I got a bottle maker, and I, I have it by my bed, and I already make the bottle right there, and toss the bottle in there, all right, but I, I try to, I try to, find that extra five minutes of sleep. I try to snooze that alarm, if you will. And then when I actually do get up, I struggle to actually read my Bible. I struggle to actually spend the time in prayer that we ought to spend. I I struggle to, to do what I ought to do. But you know what I don't struggle with? When I get up in the morning, I don't struggle with rolling over and grabbing this, this old cell phone. I don't struggle with, with scrolling through the news first thing in the morning. I don't struggle with going through social media and liking this post and, and giving this one a thumbs up. I, I don't struggle with that. 
I mean, if you were to ask me to wake up and do that first thing in the morning, oh yeah, for sure I can do it. And then, and then even right before bed, I, I've tried that. I've tried reading, reading God's word right before bed. And you know what? I can read any book. I can read a cooking book. I can read an airplane book. I can read anything. But when it comes to God's word, and I, I finally open up God's word, and I, I start reading God's word, I better get some sleep. I got a long day tomorrow. I have no clue what pastor's going to make me do, so I, I really should get some sleep. I really, I really should uh, uh, try to get that eight hours of sleep. And, and I, begin to, I begin to get sleepy, and I begin to get tired. And, you know, the first thing I want to do, just close my Bible, and I, I'll read it in the morning. Don't worry. I'm, I'm not cheating the system. I'll, I'll read it tomorrow. And, and I begin to put it off, and I begin to neglect God's word. You see, Christian, it's not easy, but we must remove ourselves from distractions. We, we must uh, remove that sin from our life. We must re- remove some things from our life, abandon some things, if we desire to mature in Christ. You see, there's going to be some growing pains, and that's been preached from this pulpit, but there's going to be some hard times in your life. Uh, no one said living, living for God is easy. No one said that ministry is easy. If it was easy, then fifth grade girls would be up here doing this right now. But it's not easy. It's hard. And yet, and yet we must continue. We must seek spiritual growth because it is essential for the consumption of strong meat. You see, Christian, if you desire to grow for the Lord, you must, you must abandon those things that are weighing you down. You got to get it off your back. You got to take care of it immediately before you fall sick, be, before, before sin consumes you, before, before it, gets, it gets out of control. If you desire to be mature, uh, uh, mature in your Christian life, you must stay true to those elementary truths. You got to stay true to them. And I know it may sound silly. We sing it upstairs with the kids, but read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. And as silly as that may sound, as, as basic as that may sound, it's true. Yeah. It is true to every believer. If you don't read your Bible and you don't pray, guess what? you're not going to grow. You're only going to shrink and you're only going to dwindle away for the things of God. You must continue to read your Bible every day so that you'll grow, grow, grow. You see, uh, turn your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew. Matthew chapter 28. And I, I know this is a familiar verse of Scripture. But I want you to see something. Matthew chapter number 28. Verse number 19, there towards the end of the chapter, if you would. This is uh, uh, directly before the Lord would ascend into heaven. This is right before God would leave this earth. And he would give what we like to call the Great Commission. And he would give it to uh, to his disciples there. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19. And it says this, Go ye therefore, and what? Go ye therefore and what? Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Uh, Verse number 20, what's that first word? Teaching Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Teach. 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 It, it appeared in, our, in, in Hebrews 5. They, they weren't teaching. Now, now I'm not saying, uh, I'm not saying uh, to, to forget about the other things that Matthew had to say. But I am saying that oftentimes, even out knocking doors, the tendency is there. We, we win them to Christ. We lead them to the Lord there at the door. And that's it. I mean, praise God, they're, they're on their way to heaven. Praise God that we'll see them in heaven one day. But that's it. Uh, here on this earth, I never see them again. Here on this earth, I've never seen them come to church. Here on this earth, they, 
we have no contact with them. We, we oftentimes forget about that. We, not only do we need to win them out there, that, that's true and, and that's right, and win them, win them, but also we need to disciple them. We need to teach them. We need to get them in here and baptize them and, and get them a part of the membership of our church and, and teach them, disciple them, train them. Why? So they can go out and tell others, so that they can go out and teach others. See, God wasn't just telling us that to, to tell us that. No, there, there's a reason. There's a purpose for that. that. That's our reason. That's our purpose. That's why we exist as Christians here on this earth is so that we can teach others, so that we can teach the next generation, so that we can teach the, the lost and the dying out there in the world how they can come to know a Savior and, and, and if, they, if they truly get saved, how they can spend eternity in heaven. That's our job is to teach them. Don't forget that Jesus gave us the commission to teach. You see, and don't be content with only milk, the milk of the word. Don't be content with only what you can fit in this bottle. Don't be content with that. You see, uh, uh, physically speaking, and I did, I did a little research and I, I've heard it before, but you can survive on only milk. If you were to only drink milk the rest of your life, you can survive. Do you know that? You can survive. But, but soon after, as quick as six months after, you'll begin to develop some deficiencies. You'll, you'll, you'll begin to get sick. You'll, you'll begin to kind of suffer, if you will. Why? Because milk, although it's high in nutrients and it has many, many great things to offer, it's lacking in many areas. One, it doesn't have iron. It doesn't have uh, other high fibers. It doesn't have vitamin A and vitamin C and such as that. And, and pretty soon, pretty soon, you'll be sick. Oh, oh, you'll be alive, but you won't be the best that you could be. Why? Because you're relying on only milk and, and rather than eating meat. You see, a, a milk diet is not enough to live a healthy life. You, you got to eat meat. You, you got to rely on the meat of God's word. You got to rely on what God can do in your life. You see, many drivers on the road today know what they have seen and heard. They know what they've been taught. And many know what, it, what is right, but they allow their life to be controlled by their immaturity. They allow road rage to set in. They allow, they allow the stresses of this world and the stresses from their job and other, other things to set in and, and, and uh, cause them to make the wrong decisions. Many, because of that, never grow up. Although they're adults, they never grow up. They never mature. You see, if we were to continue to read this unit of scripture and continue to read into chapter 6 and, and even into chapter 7, the author would explain that the Hebrews had seen and tasted the things of Christ. And, and I believe that many had actually seen the miracles of Christ. Many, many maybe even had been, uh, trans, their lives had been transformed because of Jesus, because of what God had done in their life. But yet, they condemned Jesus for making himself like God. Even though he was God, they condemned him for that. You see, many of you Christians have tasted and seen God manifest himself in your life. You've seen what God can do in your life. You've seen what God can do in your finances when, when you simply tithe and give, give your offerings and, and, uh, and even go a step above and give towards the debt retirement and the 52 club and, and the other things. You've seen what God can do in your life. You've seen how God has transformed your life. But yet because of spiritual immaturity, you're not growing. Because, because of spiritual immaturity, you're not growing. You've tasted, but you've not eaten the full meat of God's word. Right. Amen. So I think it's appropriate to ask this question to each and every one of you. Are you still drinking milk? Or are you able to eat meat? Are you still drinking milk? Are you still choosing, choosing the bottle? Or are you able 
to eat meat. Allow me to challenge you, believer, to let go of that sin that is holding you hostage. Don't, don't give in to those distractions in your life. Hey, if you will, drop, drop the bottle. Get it out of your mouth. Get, get it out of your life. Remove it so that you can uh, uh, sink your teeth into a, a big, juicy piece of meat. You see, God, uh, God, if you will, or let me read this. You see, if you would simply say this, God, if you would use me, my desire is to drop the bottle and become a mature Christian for you. Once you say that, once you, once you get rid of the bottle, once you seek to grow for the Lord, once you seek to mature for God and for his cause, you never know what God's going to do with your life. You never know by, by next year, you could be teaching a Sunday school class upstairs. By, by next year, you could be coming, Brother DeVito, I, I've led this person and this person and this person to the Lord. Brother DeVito, uh, you'll never guess what, how God has blessed my life and, and how God, uh, he saved those family members that I, I've been praying for. You never know what God could do in your life. Determine right now to drop the bottle and allow God to use your life. It's simple. Tell, tell somebody about Jesus this week. Tell, some, tell somebody at, at school about, about what God has done in your life. You say, Brother DeVito, I'm only nine years old. Tell, tell your classmates about Jesus. Tell them. You say, uh, uh, Brother DeVito, uh, uh, they won't listen to me. It doesn't matter. Tell them anyways. Tell them at your workplace about Jesus. Tell, tell them how they can go to heaven when they die. Invite them to church. Tell them about the Lord. You see, uh, Christians, even in, in this church, will, will go out of this place and continue to drink from the bottle. They'll continue to do that. You see, we all have a choice. We all have a decision that we can make today. We, you can choose to continue on the milk of God's word, continue just to come every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday, every once in a while. But when you go home, your Bible sits on a shelf, and that, that's about all it does. Or we can go home and, and begin to read God's word and, and begin to allow it to change our heart and our life, and we can make a decision to come back and to grow spiritually and, and to get to know God personally and, and get to see God work in and through our lives. But the choice is yours. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. What decision will you make for the Lord today? Every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around. Only you know the area of your spiritual life that needs the most growth. May I encourage you to come to this altar and ask God for help as you endeavor to serve him. Come to this altar and ask God to help you in that specific area, to help you to grow and to become more like him. Heavenly Father, I want to ask you to be, uh, be, make yourself evident in this invitation. I pray, God, that you would speak to the hearts, and I pray, Lord, that we would make a decision to grow for you and to mature for you. So, Lord, I pray, God, that you would work in this invitation now. And I ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. As you stand and as the piano begins to play, if the Lord is speaking to your heart, you come.